Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Good morning, everybody. How are we today? My gosh. Come on, guys, wake up. How are we today? Yeah. It's okay if you're not okay this morning, but everyone else with energy in the room, give them a hug, give them a smile. Uh, Sunday mornings can be hard when your mama's like, hey, it's time to go, and you don't feel like it's time to go. So, um, well, my name is Sophia. I'm so happy to be with you guys today. I'm the HSM year-long intern, um, and we are actually heading into the summer, so technically now you can call me the HSM summer intern uh, because we are in summer. You guys, HSM summer is seven weeks long. Can you believe that? Or six? Is it six or seven? It's six? Dang, you guys, summer's six weeks long. That's like a month and a half. Who's on summer already? And then there's all my CVUSD students that are still in school. Oh, yeah. My gosh, you guys get out when? Friday? Thursday? Friday? Friday? Oh, my gosh, feeling good. Well, everybody, I'm so happy to be with you today. Uh, this is just like a single one-off sermon this morning because tonight, like we were saying, we have Senior Sunday. Any seniors in the house this morning? Faith. I think Faith is our literal only senior here this morning. We love you, Faith. Faith's going to be coming tonight so we can celebrate her and love on her. But for the rest of y'all, um, if you guys want to come through tonight, we're going to have some seniors stand up and tell us about why uh, loving Jesus is the best part of their existence and why being a part of HSM has blessed their high school experience. Um, and then this doesn't apply to any of you other than Faith, but we're going to kick everybody out at the end and we're going to love on them. So we're excited. Senior Sunday is always like the most bittersweet day because we are sad that you guys are leaving. It's like devastating to see you guys leave, but at the same time, we know that we have a whole new round of eighth graders coming in next week. The eighth graders, soon to be freshmen, are coming in. This front row used to be that group, and now look at you. You're a year in. This is crazy. You get, you made it. Um, but today, as just like a one-off kind of what are we talking about this morning, I was talking to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, what do you want to say to HSM this morning, to this specific group of people that's going to be here at the 11 a.m.? You guys are a special group, 11 a.m. people. We love you. You guys are like dedicated because the 5 p.m. people could have slept till literally 4.30 and rolled out of bed and come to church, but you guys are here bright and early, even though there's no sunshine, so the clouds woke you up as they did me. And you guys are special. You guys are dedicated. Even if your mom dragged you here, I don't care. You're here. You're in the room. You want to hear from God. And so today we're going to talk about our thoughts. Wow, that was dramatic. We're going to talk about our thoughts. What's in between your ears? Can we just say how cute these little brains are? I'm sorry. Look how sweet they are. The one on the end's like, help, help me. Man, okay, but is this not like such a real depiction of like what we go through in our thoughts on a daily basis, right? When you're in school, I think that's the one on the left right there. Just crying, brain working hard, can't get those test answers out. The question one, because your teacher doesn't make any sense, or you're reading the Bible and you're like, Lord Jesus, why did you write this? This doesn't make any sense. And then the one with the light bulb that's like, finally, I got it. And then we're right back into help, right? Help me, help me, please. Today, we're going to focus mostly on our far left brain here, the help brain. Um, but we're going to talk about what's in between your ears, what's going on in your minds, what's going on in our thoughts, because so often in this Christian life, 
at least in my experience, I found that whenever my thoughts were bad, Jesus keeps freaking out. Whenever my thoughts were bad, my life seemed to feel bad. But every time I was able to get a hold of my thoughts and get a hold of what was going on in my brain, all of a sudden, my life and the fruit of my life started to appear good. And so we're going to talk about what's going on in between our ears. Because what's in between your ears, guys? Oh my gosh. Come on. What's in between your ears? Your brain, your brain, and inside that brain, you've got neuropathways that have been created based off of life experiences and traumas and heartbreaks and amazing things and your first time at Disneyland and the first time you ever ate a lollipop and the first time you ever said mama and dada, like that's all in there. That's all wedged in between your ears. But so often in this life, that space gets so convoluted and so oppressed and so pressed down by this life that we don't get to see all of the good things that God can deliver through our thoughts. So who has ever had a bad thought? By show of hands, who had a bad thought this morning? Keep that hand high, oh yeah. I'm doing this new thing right now where I'm tracking my macros, so I'm like increasing the amount of calories I eat, but you have to eat like this amount of protein. Do you want me to switch mics? All right. We can handle it. Everyone say, what's up, Aaron? Um, I think I turned the other one off. Anyways, but I'm doing this thing right now where I'm tracking my macros. Does anyone know what that means? Okay, Drew is like the biggest proponent of this. Um, so I'm tracking what I'm eating and so many bad th thoughts through my head this morning. I was like, Lord, I'm going to get to church. There's going to be donuts flying off the walls because Calvary doesn't like to serve healthy breakfast, okay? And there's going to be donuts everywhere, but I can't have one because I'm tracking my macros, which could I have one? Sure. But do I want to have one? Because no, I have to have pizza this afternoon for the DR meeting. Shout out to the DR team. We leave in three weeks. But... Those are my thoughts this morning as I was arriving to church. Yes, I'm preaching. Was I thinking about preaching? No. I was thinking about the fact that I couldn't eat the donut that I wanted to have that I've been having for the last 100 weeks that I've been here. So those are the kind of thoughts that come into your head even in the morning. You wake up and you're supposed to be like, Jesus, you're the first thing on my mind. We all know that that is just a big lie most of the time. We wake up. I would love to tell you that every single morning I wake up and the face of Jesus is shining down on me and I see him and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Guess what? He's there, but I'm not necessarily focused on him when I wake up in the morning. So have you ever had a bad thought? Have you ever had an anxious thought? By show of hands. Anxiety, anybody? An anxious thought? Have you ever had a negative thought or a scary thought? I've been afraid of the Grinch since I was born. You can laugh. We can pause for the laughter, okay? Is the fear still there? Yeah, absolutely. 25 years old, cannot watch the Grinch cartoon, cannot watch the live action version. It's embarrassing. I can't watch any of it. Every shadow I see in my house to this day, it's the Grinch. I just know. It's like I'm going down the hallway. It's like two o'clock in the morning or whatever to go to get some water. And who do I see around the corner? It's probably just a bush, but in my mind, it's the Grinch. Terrible. Have you ever had a scary thought? Even something that's so silly being a scary thought, you guys. The Grinch used to terrorize me in my dreams. This is terrible. But guess what? It's all based on what's in between my ears. It's so silly, but my life started to look scary when I thought about scary things because of what was going on in my head. Just in the same way that when you're at Disneyland, nothing 
nothing is bad at Disneyland if you like Disneyland. Now, I understand Aaron's a Disneyland hater. Well, I know there's other Disneyland haters in the room. I'm not talking to you right now. Who loves Disneyland? Let me hear it. Yes. Okay. When you go to Disneyland, it doesn't matter if that freaking Space Mountain line is four hours long. Are we waiting in the line? Yes. It's the best thing ever. And they have the water stations as you go. And you're like, I can't believe this. Like, I'm here at Disneyland. Your thoughts are completely masked by the fact that you are at the happiest place on earth. And so your happiness is filtered through all of your thoughts, all of your dreams, all your desires, all your emotions about the Mickey bar and the pretzel that you're going to have later are all filtered through this happy thing. But it's all based off of what's going on in our head because there could be a two-year-old at the happiest place on earth who all they can think about is the fact that they didn't get a good nap in and now they're screaming their head off in line. So what goes on in your mind affects your entire life. It affects your entire day. For years I dealt with negative thoughts. It was terrible. For about 11 years, it was like second grade till the week before I turned 21, I dealt with horrible thoughts. Thoughts of shame, thoughts of guilt, thoughts of condemnation. I would speed, I would go like five miles over the speed limit and think I was like going to jail, which shout out, I've never been pulled over, so hello. That's pretty great. Now, have I broken the law by driving? I'm sure, but <laughs> no, no, no cops ever seen me do it. And so I've never been pulled over, but you all know how your thoughts affect your, affect your body, right? You're driving and you see a cop behind you and you know you're going 10 miles over the speed limit and all of a sudden, a cold sweat, instant. Instantly sweating, instantly scared. The cop doesn't even care about you. They speed right on by and then all of a sudden, you what? You relax. Because it's all based on what's going on inside your head. So for years, I dealt with these anxious thoughts. I dealt with these thoughts that were telling me that I was no good that no one was ever gonna love me, that I wouldn't ever have good friends, that I could never see a future past getting out of my hometown. I thought it was like the lamest thing in the world that I still lived in my hometown, which some of you guys are like, man, I feel that. Like people that are going to college at like more Park or something like that, you're like, oh man, I'm the lamest person ever because I couldn't go to a four-year college out of state. Honey, save that money. Go to Moore Park. Enjoy the heck out of it. But those thoughts bear, they, they push us down and they boil up and then we can't see good things in our life because of our thoughts. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Is this tracking with anybody? Yes? Okay. Very silent nods. But our words reflect the state of our thought life. I'm going to say that again. Our words reflect the state of our thought life. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint why we're feeling a certain way, right? You feel anxious, but you don't know why necessarily you're anxious. You feel scared, but you don't have a Grinch to blame for the fear, right? You, you don't know necessarily why you feel a certain way or why certain things are coming out of your mouth because you're like, whoa, I didn't even mean to say that. That's happened to me on many occasions where I will respond quickly to something and those words, I'm like, those words are not Sophia words. Those words came from somewhere else. There was a root of why those words came out angry or why those words came out harsh or why it came out snarky. But it's because our words actually reflect the state of our thought life. So when I was in high school and I had the worst thoughts ever, on the outside I was like a shiny little ASB president, yearbook editor, did all the things. I was in comedy sports, which my friends made fun of me for being in, but I love comedy sports and competitive improv. It's a great time. 
But I was doing all of these things, and on the outside, I looked like I had such a great life, but on the inside, my thoughts were so bad that I was actually hurting people with my words. My sister would tell you that I was very good at making fun of people. I was very clever with my words. And it was all coming out of this, what's going on in my mind? I had to release this poison that was in my mind from these negative thoughts. It had to come out because there's a few scriptures I want to point out that prove this point exactly. Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The hatred and the the poison that was in my heart of thinking that I was no good and nobody would ever love me and how could God ever use somebody like me, all of that poison was bubbling out into my words. And this comes out of a passage where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the day, but they were hypocrites. And he points at them and he says, a tree is known by its fruit because out of your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you've got good fruit coming out of your mouth, the tree of your heart is good. But if you have bad fruit or sour fruit or rotten fruit coming out of your mouth, that tree is sick. Again, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. In another version, it says, Out of your heart flow the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Keeping your heart with all vigilance. Now, I know this says heart, and we're thinking like the anatomical heart that's, you know, left side of your chest. It's on the right side. Pretty cool. Kind of interesting. But should be on the left. You know, when you put your hand over your heart and you see little kids go like this, I always think that's so funny. I'm like, okay, that's your hand over your left lung, or your right lung, but whatever. But your heart, we're not talking about this heart that's beating in your chest. We're talking about your spiritual heart which is where your mind, your will, and your emotions all live. Right, when we say, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, that's the heart we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on up here, we're talking about what's going on in here. So when the Bible says to guard your heart with all vigilance because out of it flow the issues of life, Jesus is making a point here in Matthew when he says, for out of the abundance of the heart your mouth speaks, that you have to be careful what is going into your heart, what is going on in your thoughts, because out of your thoughts you are going to speak. You are going to spew out of your thoughts, or excuse me, you're going to spew out of your mouth what's going on in your thoughts. Which is why, when we look at those 11 years of my life that were terrorized by fear, we look at those 11 years and my words weren't even really my words. They were words based out of that sick tree. The fruit was rotten. The fruit was sour. And guess what? Those words weren't just spewing out onto other people, although bad enough. They were going right back into me. And so I didn't know... That I, could, I didn't even know that there was actually different people who could speak into my thought life. So let's dissect this for a second. You, not all of your thoughts are actually yours. Not all of your thoughts are actually yours. You know that sometimes your thoughts can come from the enemy. Sometimes your thoughts are coming from the Lord. And sometimes your thoughts are coming out of you. What I had to reconcile first and foremost when I was going after this thing and I was going to attack these bad thoughts because I was so done with living in shame and guilt all the time 
for little things, big things, no matter what it was, I was so over it. I was so done with living in this guilt and this shame. I couldn't even see God. It was like there was like a cloudy, you know, the clouds we've been living in. God's the sun. I'm on the ground. And the only thing I could see was this, this cloud of guilt and shame. I couldn't even see the Lord. Because all I could focus on was, man, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. And I'll never be better. I'm the worst because of this. I'm the worst because of that. No one wants to date me. No one wants to be my friend. Whatever, whatever the thought was coming out. You know, that one time my thoughts got so bad, I thought the radio was on in my car. The noise in my head of negativity and angst and anger and fear got so loud in my own head, I actually reached to turn off my stereo, and it was off. And that was the moment when I was like, we're done. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And so I went on a journey to figure out where and who my thoughts were coming from. Thoughts are kind of like a billboard, right? When you're driving, how many of you guys drive? Most of you, not many of you. Okay, about over half of you. Over half of you drive, but uh, the rest of you guys are getting driven by family or friends or whatever. And you're driving and you see billboards and they like, they say like, you know, watch the Kardashians on Hulu or I don't know. What'd you say? <laughs> oh, I thought you were giving me a suggestion of a billboard. I was like, yeah. Yeah, accident or injury, call this or whatever it says. Right? So you see these things. It, that's what thoughts are kind of like. Thoughts get tossed into your heart and into your mind, and they're floating by like billboards. But when we take a hold of those thoughts, that's when they become ours. But you know that the devil can lob a thought in there? He can throw up a billboard in front of you that says, you'll never make it. Or he can put up a billboard that says, your grades are always going to tank no matter how hard you try. Or he'll put up a billboard that says, just because your dad left doesn't mean God wants to love you. Stuff like that. You know that's not our good God? And that's not even you. That's not even you coming up with that thought. But we have bad thoughts and we're like, man, I'm thinking all these bad things. No, the enemy is able to get in there. And he's like, if I can just get them to grab it. If I can just get them to grab a hold of it for a second and make them think that it's theirs. Now they'll never know how to love their God with all their soul, heart, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as themselves. Because if you can't love yourself, there's no way you're going to be able to love your neighbor. And if you can't love yourself, there's no way you're going to believe that Jesus died for you. And if you were the only person that ever believed in Jesus, that he still would have taken the death and punishment that he did. You know that if just James Lee accepted Jesus and the rest of us turned our backs and every Christian in the world turned their back for all of time, he would have done exactly what he did on that cross just for James Lee as he did for all of us. But it's hard to believe that when you can't love yourself because you think that you're the originator and the generator of the worst thoughts ever. You know that other things that can have influence on your thoughts are horror films. Who's ever watched a horror film and then you go to bed at night and you're like, I'm going to sleep amazing right? You watch like Chucky or something like that. And you're like, I have no problem going to bed. I'm going to sleep like an angel. And you're up every single hour because you don't know what to do with yourself because you think Chucky's about to jump out at you and bite your toes off or something. You know, my dad in like, I think I was like three or four, watched a movie called The Blair Witch Project, which this is not an endorsement for that movie, okay? Let's just make that very clear. But my dad watches this movie, The Blair Witch Project. He's like, I'll be fine. And we had just moved into our new house, which is like kind of in the woods. 
which Blair Witch Project set in the woods. Very scary film. My dad could not sleep. He went out in the middle of the night, bought blackout curtains, and brought them back to our house and hung up all the blackout curtains so that he could block out the woods because he couldn't sleep because the only thing he could think about was what he let in. It was the Blair Witch Project. My gosh, that sounds so horrifying. It's like on a, t- uh, you know, whatever. We won't get into it. But it's what, and Aaron was talking about this a few weeks ago, it's what you let into yourself, right? It's when we think about all these demonic things that happen, people are like, man, I have no idea why I feel like I'm being oppressed by demons. It's like, well, what are you watching? Oh, I just went and saw, you know, the new Saw movie, which there's like a hundred of those now. But I went and saw the new Saw movie. Well, no wonder you're having things happen in your house or paranormal activity or whatever it may be. You know, the enemy is going to use any doorway that he can into you so that you can believe just for a second that God doesn't have his eyes fixed on you. And so keep your heart with all vigilance for out of your heart flow the issues of life. So when I started attacking this thing, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm having bad thoughts. Some of them are coming from me, but some of them are coming from the enemy. But I know that none of these bad thoughts are coming from you. Because let me just encourage you, your father, your good, good father is not trying to scare you or hurt you or punish you. Why would he send Jesus to take all of the punishment and guilt and shame of the universe? Why would he take it all, put it all on Jesus to then throw that punishment back on you right now in 2023? Why would he offer you remission of sins through the son that he loved just to throw it back on you now? Because let's be honest, guys. Sometimes we're like, God, why are you doing this to me? And he's like, honey, I'm not doing this to you at all. What are you letting in? What are you grabbing onto? What billboards are flying past you that you're like, ooh, what's that? Right? It's like the devil takes like a little fishing lure and he's like, see, it's shiny. And we're like, yeah, it's shiny. And we say goodbye to that thing, and now we're hooked. And so these thoughts that can just poison your surroundings, we have to take those thoughts captive. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. Other translations will say we take every thought captive and we bring it into the obedience of Christ. How do you know you're having a bad thought if it doesn't obey Jesus? Because every foul thing and every dark thing has to bow to the name of Jesus. It's under his feet. Therefore, it's under your feet. And so if this is saying take every thought captive, right? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, where in there do you see that God plucks the thoughts out of your mind for you? It's not there. Forever and ever when I was dealing with those thoughts, I was like, God, can you just take these out? And he's like, no, because I gave you the authority to do it. I gave you my son. I gave you his name. I gave you his inheritance. I gave you everything in my son. And so you take every thought captive, Sophia. Tiana, you take every thought captive. You take it and bring it into the obedience of Christ. 
Because when we sit back and say, God, you're going to do this for me, he's like, I did. I gave you Jesus. I gave you everything you need in my son Jesus. Now you go out and take that authority up. Take the authority that he paid for with his name. Right? The authority doesn't lie in just me. It's not like in the name of Sophia, I take this thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Sophia. Because guess what? My meter for good and bad, it's tainted. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we are not trustworthy. Humanity on its own is not trustworthy. We're not to be left with that much power in our hands. But in Christ Jesus, we have his name. We have his power. We have his strength to rely on. And so, guys, when you have an anxious thought, when you have a negative thought, and I know that some of you guys are like, well, you know, it's, it's okay, it's manageable. No. Let's not settle for manageable Let's fight for the freedom that he paid for. Because yes, is anxiety manageable? Absolutely. But it's always going to be there. And you're only 16, 17, 18 right now, but one day you'll be 46, 47, 48, 86, 87, 88. 80 years in anxiety? That sounds like a death sentence. I'd rather go to heaven faster and be like, Lord, there's no bad thoughts in heaven right? This life is to be lived in freedom. In John 8, I think it's 32 or 36, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. But a lot of times we get bogged down by what's going on in between our ears, and we think that there's no way out, and we're going to live like this forever. And just like that sign says, it's all about Jesus He has given you the power to take those thoughts and bring them into the obedience of who he is. If that thought is condemning you, right, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you guys ever heard that scripture before? Therefore, there is now no, it's in Romans. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you are in Christ Jesus by a show of hands? You would call yourself a Christian. You're in Christ Jesus. Okay, then there is no condemnation for you. This is good, like I could jump up and down because I was once bound by this and now I'm free. There is no condemnation. So if a thought's coming against you and condemning you and making you feel like the scum of the earth, guess what? That is not from God. But you can take that thought captive. You can snatch it up like in like a, I envision like the SpongeBob jellyfish net. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? I don't know where that came from, but. That's how I envision it. You take that thought captive, and then you shine it under this, like, interrogation light, but the light is Jesus. And you say, Jesus, what do you have to say about that thought? He says, well, I don't hold your sin against you anymore. I forgot it. Okay, amen, I forget it too. Right? Lord, I got drunk the other night. I know I shouldn't have. I repent. But now the guilt, and your friends are like, hey, remember when you got super slammed? Hey, remember when you fell over and you couldn't think straight and then you tried to get in the car but we had to take your keys away? <laughs> and now all you're feeling is guilt after guilt after guilt after shame and you're like, ha, yeah, that was a great time. And you're just living in this puddle of sadness because of what you did and you can't get rid of the guilt. Take those thoughts, put them under that interrogation light of Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you have to say about this? He says, you repented, therefore I have forgotten it. I am not holding your sin against you. Stop holding your sin against yourself. Because you know what, guys? Life is hard when your thoughts are bad. 
But life is better when your thoughts are focused on things from above. Life is hard when your thoughts are bad. I lived it. Oh, my gosh. What I wouldn't give to get some of those years back. Years where I felt like I was on top of the world to everybody else, but in my own heart I was like, ugh. I just can't get over this. I can't get over the fact that, I, God, I know you forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. Guys, if we think we're so important that we can't forgive ourselves, we're actually thrusting ourselves above our Father. If you think what you did is so bad that, yeah, God might forgive you, but you can't let it go yourself, we are putting our power and authority above that of God's. And that's some dangerous territory. Let's be children of our Father that say, Lord, if you forgive me, You of all people, you're the only one that's allowed to hold it against me. But still you forgive me, still you see me as clean and pure and washed. And you'll wash me over and over and over again, Lord. Even if if you can forgive me, I can absolutely forgive myself. And that was when I started to see the change. These thoughts would come by. And rather than me grabbing a hold of them and going, oh, man, that, was, that one's mine. Yeah, I'll take, that. I'll take that one, too. Yeah, I said that about that girl. Oof, I'll take that one, too. The Lord said, Sophia, repent and now bring those thoughts under my light. Take that thought captive. Bring it into the light of who I am. And let me show you that this isn't true about you. In the same way a murderer in a jail cell, right, someone who actually murdered somebody, can be free because of what Jesus did. So can you. And I know that's like, well, murder, whew, that's a big one. Yeah, I know it's a big one. Imagine the guilt and shame that lives on that person. But if they know and repent, right, because God doesn't see sin like buildings, Right, you, go to, you see like a city skyline, it's like some buildings are short, some buildings are like super tall, some buildings are kind of wide, some of them are real skinny, some of them are triangles, right? We see it like doot, 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 like this. God sees it from the aerial view like this, and guess what? All the buildings look the same height. All of them look the same shape. All of them look the same because they're on a level playing field because sin is sin. In the Bible it says that if you commit one sin, You might as well have committed them all, which is why Jesus says it's impossible for you to fulfill the law without me. And so if life is hard when your thoughts are bad, life gets better when your thoughts are fixed on things above. So rather than looking at sin and looking at your thoughts at this city skyline view where you're like, that's a pretty bad one, but this one's not as bad, and that one, whew, that was a rough night. We take the position of God and we look down on that thing and go, wait a second. Through repentance and your love, Father, it's all one and the same. I'm going to fix my thoughts on things above. Fix my thoughts on things that are better. In Philippians 4.8, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This verse actually, I would say that this verse saved my life. My parents kind of knew what was going on in my thoughts. They kind of knew what I was feeling, but I wasn't really open about it. I'm much more open about it now because freedom lets you talk about anything, 
right? I'm like, ooh, let's talk about it because now I'm free. That thing doesn't hold me down. I'm not sitting in the dark with it anymore. But I think the Lord had just led my dad. He wrote this out on a, like an index card and he put it in my sun visor of my car. And I would, man, when I saw that, first of all, I like burst into tears for the first time. Because you have to like, you know, you have to flip it down to see like what you kind of stick in there. So I didn't see it for a while. And when I was driving and I thought, and my thoughts were so loud that I thought the radio was on. This is during that phase of my life. So I'm driving to school one day. I, the thoughts are so loud. I'm like, oh my gosh, this has to be the stereo. I reach for the stereo. Stereo's off. I, for whatever reason, pull my thing down, my little sun visor, and there's that scripture. Sophia, think on things whatever, if there's anything lovely, if there's anything true, if there's anything of nobility, if there's anything praiseworthy. I love this because it's like, come on, you got to think of one thing. If there's anything worthy of thanksgiving, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on those things. And I probably put like nail marks into my sun visor. I gripped that thing so hard. And I was like, I knew I had been raised in the church, but I didn't know Jesus as personally as I do now. And this was the beginning of that relationship. I gripped that thing so hard, and I said, Jesus, I don't know you that well, but if you said this, I will believe it. On blind faith, I've never lived a day that I can remember without guilt, shame, and condemnation, but I can trust you because I've seen you work other miracles in other people's lives that you can fix my brain. And so I held on to that thing for days, days and days and days. I still wish I had it. I don't even know where it went. Days and days I held on to Philippians 4.8. I'm going to think on whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, I can think of one thing. Lord, thank you that there's gas in my car. Right? You start with the little. And you know what? The bad thought of you're never going to make money in this life just got replaced with, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you put gas in my car today. So it's not just taking the thought captive because now you've got an empty space in that little noggin of yours. We've got to fill it up with good stuff. That's what Philippians 4.8 is talking about. Lord, if there's anything pure, God, my dog smiled at me today. Amen. That was pure. That was like the purest moment I had this morning when my dog smiled at me. I know it's silly, but when you're desperate for something, when you're desperate for some sort of goodness, when you're desperate for some sort of peace of mind, when your thoughts are so loud that nothing else gets fit in there, you got to start replacing them. My parents don't love me, right? If that's the thought that comes through. No, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that you even gave me parents. I thank you that I'm even here on this earth. I thank you, Lord, that if they questioned to get rid of me or to put me up for adoption at any point in time, that they chose to keep me. Thank you, Lord. Right? There's always something worthy of thanksgiving in Christ. Even if you have to just thank him for what he did on the cross, that you can even acknowledge him. You know, in the Old Testament, we love to read about Old Testament characters, but those are like, like the M MVPs. I'm going to use a gaming term right now, so just please don't judge me if I misuse it, okay? But there were thousands of people that lived during the time of David and Noah and Elijah and Elisha and all of these guys that were NPCs. Should I use that right? Yo, did I just get, like, mad points and, like, all the boys' eyes are like, yeah. 
There were thousands of people that couldn't hear the voice of God because when Adam and Eve sinned, they got cut off from his voice, cut off from his presence. The Bible is the highlight reel, you guys. From Genesis to Malachi, nobody got to hear God unless they were chosen. But now because of Jesus, you all are chosen. You all, you all won the prize. None of you are NPCs. Woo, that's worthy of celebrating, right? You guys are all main characters. <laughs> Nobody's laughing, so I'm nervous that I misuse that term or something. But I would love to say, let's look at the Old Testament and be like, rah, rah, look at David, rah, rah, look at these guys. But they were, we could have been the ones in the village that just had to watch Goliath go by. But praise God, we were born on this side of the cross. We were born on this side of the cross to where Philippians 4.8 actually gets to apply to us. Because there is always something to be thankful for in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The fact that you can even talk to him and he's going to listen. And guess what? He might even answer you. It's not a might. He's going to answer you. But these thoughts, these billboards that fly by that you think you're such a bad person or such a bad Christian because you have bad thoughts. Let me just relieve you of that pressure. You are not a bad Christian. And you are not a bad person. You have an enemy, you have an adversary that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy as many people as he possibly can. But guess what? Like Aaron said last week, he's like, he's not like, or he said he was like, Jesus and Satan aren't like, like about ready to like duke it out. The devil's so puny, microscopic. That got a laugh, yes. He's minuscule, he means nothing. He's under our feet. He's not just like right under our feet like this stage, he's like down there, like gone. Like when he was thrown out of heaven, he was forced to crawl on his stomach on the earth. And God's like, oh, you better believe what's coming next. He brings Jesus, and there's a depiction in the Bible of Jesus dra basically dragging, making a show of Satan in the streets. And so the devil has no right to your thoughts. The enemy has no right to your mind. And when those thoughts try to come, when the temptation tries to come, you snatch that thing up and you throw it into that light of Jesus and say, oh my gosh, you have no business being here. Oh, you think I'm a horrible human being? Guess what, devil? God hates you. The only thing God hates is him and evil because he is evil. He's not mad at you. The Lord loves you. He sees you. He knows you. He chose you. That rhymed. Hey yo. But how do we know what God sounds like? We're gonna run through this really fast. How do we know what God sounds like? Let's go to 1 Kings 19, verses 11 and 12. We're gonna read this passage really quick. Because when we have all these thoughts, we're like, okay, Sophia, we know that there's thoughts that come from the enemy. We know that there's thoughts that come from ourselves, from our friends, from our surroundings. But some of these thoughts can be from God, these good thoughts. How do we know what God sounds like and how do we test out if we can actually hear the voice of God in the first place. In 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12, uh, just to set the scene really briefly, Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and he's fighting a king named Ahab. 
and a wife, I believe her name was Jezebel. This is where we get the Jezebel spirit. If you've ever heard a Christian throw that term around, this is where the story is. And so Elijah was prophesying that there wouldn't be rain for years, that there would be a famine over the earth, and there was. He goes out before the Lord, and the Lord, sa- or excuse me, the Lord says to him, and go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore up the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a still, small voice. God doesn't sound like a big, booming man. As much as I wish his voice would come in these very loud and grandiose gestures all the time, unfortunately, but not even unfortunately, his whisper is the best. Because guess what? He's not dramatic. He doesn't have an ego to be like, here I am, it's God. What's up? It's your father. No, he comes to you and he says, hey, I love you. Hey, you're the best. Hey, you're the apple of my eye. Hey, every time you think that you're a bad person when you do this, you know that I'm right there with you in the midst of, it, in the midst of everything? You know the last time you blacked out? I was there. I made sure your friend got you home. And I want to show you a life without having to do that to feel numb. Hey, you are the best thing that's ever happened to me. Those are the kind of things that he whispers to you. But when we have all this noise of loud thoughts, for example, when we have noises that sound like wind or like rocks breaking or fire or earthquakes or whatever it may be, that's what these bad and negative thoughts sound like. They boom and they try to just distract you from the voice of the Lord because the voice of the Lord, it's still and it's small. But it packs a punch. That's how you know it's the Lord. When it's a thought that's nothing that you would think of, right? When I was dealing with all those anxious thoughts, there was no room for goodness in my mind. But the Lord would come in and say, Sophia, I love you. I think you're very funny. Sophia, you're actually so talented. You know that you are such a blessing to me. Every time you lead worship for me, you minister to my heart. And I would be like, whoa, where did that come from? Who said that? (laughs) I'm like, no way this can be God. Of course it's God. Why? Because it's good. Because it's pure. It lines up with what Philippians just said. It's lovely. What God whispers to you is going to be lovely. What God says to you through his word is going to be commendable. It's going to be excellent. What God walks you through is going to be worthy of praise unto him who brought you through it. And if you're questioning of whether or not you can hear him at all, just know in John 10, 27 through 28, it says, my sheep, that's us, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Man, if you need a scripture to cling on to, the band's gonna come up here. If you need a scripture to cling on to, when life is hard because your thoughts are bad, when you seem to have grabbed onto every negative thing and you need some reprieve, you need freedom, and you don't think you can hear the voice of your father, 
you are his sheep. You can hear his voice. In another passage it says, and the voice of a stranger my sheep will not follow. So this should be good news. Good news that you can live free of anxiety. You can live free of guilt. You know, that's one thing of putting your sin down and laying your sin at the feet of Jesus. It's another thing to get rid of that guilt. Just because you've gotten rid of the sin doesn't mean you've stopped thinking about it. Guys, let's get free. Let's take this summer that's coming up to get so free in Christ Jesus that when we get back to school, we're like, what's up, everybody? Let me tell you about Jesus. And I know that sounds cheesy, and I know you don't want to be that person, but you know it can be in a simple conversation when your friend comes to you and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so stressed out. And you can be like, whoa, 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 let's just pray about it. Let's just pray about it. You know, God is never going to say something to you that's not backed up by his word. God's never going to preach to you something that's not in his own preach in his, in his own Bible. He's going to bless you with scriptures. He's going to bless you with words from his heart that you can then pass on to other people. So rather than being children that just need to get fixed and receive all the time, let's get healed in our thoughts. Have healthy thoughts, good thoughts, pure thoughts. Thoughts that praise God so that we can go help somebody else. Because freely you have received in Christ and so freely we get to give. Right now we're going to go into worship. Every eye on me just for two seconds. We're almost done here. We're going to go into worship right now. And if you need to lay those thoughts at the feet of Jesus. If you need to put, bring your thoughts into the obedience of Christ right now, take this time. Worship is for the ministry of the, the heart of the Father. And in that ministry, you get to receive every good thing he has for you. So those thoughts of what you did last night, thoughts that kept you up, thoughts of something you did six years ago that you just can't get rid of, all of those thoughts... Let's bring those into the obedience of Christ right now. Let him minister back to you as you minister to him with worship, bringing your heart before him. Lord, we love you, right? Lord, thank you that you are the only thing praiseworthy. You are the only one who is worthy of all of my honor and all of my adoration. Thank you, Lord, that you brought me out of the muck and the mire. Thank you, Lord, that you woke me up this morning, right? There's so many things to be thankful for. There's so many things, so many good things that we can fill our thoughts with. And those negative thoughts, they've got to go. Why would we let the enemy in when Almighty God kicked him out? Let's shut the door to the devil. He doesn't have, a, he doesn't have an ounce of you unless we give it to him. We'll kick him out of our thoughts and say, okay, Jesus, now that I've got so much more space for you, come in and fill it. Fill it with your love. Fill it with your peace. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that you are the lover of our souls. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is the only one who has, who has us in his hand. Lord, we just shut down the enemy right now in Jesus' name. 
He has no power. He has no authority. We thank you, Father, that you show us just how much bigger you are. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us your name. You gave us your strength. And Father, I thank you that as these billboards of life try to come by and try to convince us of things that are not of you, Lord, I thank you that you are going to show us how we can take those thoughts captive and bring them into your obedience. Bring them into who you are. So Lord, we thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into light. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.